0: This is The Resilient Life, where we believe that every human will struggle in this life. Our challenge is to struggle well. I'm Ryan Mannion. I lost my brother to war, my mom to cancer, and I'm the daughter of a retired Marine. I'm also a wife, mom, author, and president of one of the nation's leading veteran service organizations. Join me and some incredible guests as we explore the value of struggling well through life's inevitable challenges. Welcome to the first episode of 2023 for the Resilient Life Podcast. This is exciting. I'm so excited to be back in the studio bringing you these incredible conversations. And we are starting out strong uh, with an awesome guest, First Lieutenant Riley T. Jack, a member of the U.S. National Bobsled Team. Did I say that right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Riley.
0: Welcome to the Resilient Life Podcast.
1: Ryan, thank you so much for having me. This is so awesome. I'm so excited to talk to you and really dive in more with you.
0: Yeah. So Riley is coming to us all the way from Germany. Um, she is competing there, and you know, Riley, I I love when I started following you and and tracking what you were doing. I was like, wait, she's a Marine. And then I'm seeing you bobsledding, and I'm trying to put the two together. And I'm like, "Is she still in the Marine Corps?" And you, mm-hmm. in fact, are. Um, mm-hmm. You're at Camp Pendleton. That's where my brother was stationed. So I love that connection. Yeah. And um, I would love to kind of talk about your your journey to where you are because it's not a typical one. Um, and so I think it's yeah. it's really uh, cool and unique. And um, I'd love to just kind of kick it off there. So let's talk a little bit about your background. You. Mm-hmm. Um, went to GW. Um, and you were recruited there to play softball, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: So I played softball my whole life. My dad was a professional baseball player. Um, and my mom was really big in academics and driving that factor into me. So I like to think I'm kind of a fun blend between the two of them decided to pursue education and sport in college. And it was such a blessing to play division one, which was my goal and, and get there. So that was step one of what brought me to here. Cause that's what brought me into me the Marine Corps, which then is what GW is also what brought me into bobsled. So that is like super critical and where I am and how I'm here now.
0: So do, do you come from a military family? What's the military background?
1: Not really. So like majority of people's grandparents served in some capacity. Right. So my grandfather, he played wake or er, football at Wake Forest and of course was very attracted to the Marine Corps, but like got in and out as like a Lance Corporal. Like he he's like, I never served because of like my status and who I was. I basically was a Marine for like a year. <laughs> and so Other than that, I really didn't. And that's what's so crazy looking at my story and why I'm on this path was that people were like, Riley, we always knew that you were drawn to the military, but we never would have been like, oh, she's going to go to the Marine Corps or that's where she's going to end up. Um, It's kind of funny looking back at my childhood that my father was my coach my whole life in sport, especially softball with the softball baseball connection. And he loved watching and studying military videos. And right then is when like Navy SEAL buds stuff started to come out. So they started showing those documentaries of them going through that process. And I remember he let me sneak down the stairs and like sit and like watch on the stairs of when the guys would like DOR and all this kind of stuff. And let me watch that or in softball, that's such a mental sport. We would talk about resiliency through trials and the military was the best explanation of that. So he would have me read books as like studies and to like work on my mental toughness as a young woman athlete, especially in a sport that was full of failure. So the military mottos and mindsets were constantly ingrained slowly into my mind without me knowing it. But I always told people I never as a little girl Envision myself in the Marine Corps, let alone the military, because I never saw women in those positions.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So growing up, and I'm looking up, I'm like, well, that's not a job for me, and I couldn't even believe it. In high school, I was like, you know, I want to go to Washington D.C. because I want to work on the war on terror, and that 9/11, I was four, so no, I don't really remember it, but I, I know the repercussions of the aftermath. And I said, you know, I want to go and I want to be a part on helping. I want to go and make sure this stuff never happens again and keeping people safe. So I was drawn to DC and there we go. I stepped onto campus and a couple of weeks I met a Marine recruiter and they're kind of harder to turn down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and and, and it's so true. Just the, the comparables between athletics and, you know, you talk about that mental mindset that comes with the military. I see that. Um, I see that with my daughter, you know, I, my, my oldest is, uh, heading off to play division one lacrosse at the Naval Academy. And, um, so she's, we already know that she's, uh, signed up for the military, but it's such a mental game for her. Uh, she has all the physical abilities Mm -hmm. in the world. And, but when she has a bad game, it's not because of her skills. It's because she's, she has these mental blocks that she just has to get out of. And, you know it was interesting as she was going through this process one of the things that we found is that you know when she was younger and we would talk to her about would you have any interest in the naval academy um she didn't see herself there because she was surrounded by in in her world a bunch of male marines my, mm-hmm. my Father is a retired Marine. My brother, who's her who was her godfather, was a Marine. And all of Travis's friends were all Marines, right? And and they were all male, right? And so um it was just in the past few years that she and and really with social media has done a great job of that. It was actually um Jackie Barnum, who uh who's a Marine. Yeah, and she's very um, she's very active on social media. And my daughter started following her and she was like, oh, we, I, I see myself in her shoes Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I've had conversations. I was on Jackie's podcast and I thanked her. I said, I want to thank you. And, and I also got her on a zoom with Maggie to like, kind of talk (laughs) through that and talk what it means to be a female Marine. But I was like, I want to thank you for giving like a face to a female in the military, you know? And, Mm -hmm. um. So I I commend you on, you know, kind of recognizing that and seeing that and um, yeah, uh, just kind of moving in that direction. You know, it's not something that you would think as you're sending your daughter off to GW on a softball scholarship that they're linking up with a Marine recruiter uh, to kind of kind of change that direct trajectory. But uh, I love that story. And so you graduate from GW, Mm-hmm. um and do you go right into ocs
1: so officer can school for me was my summers off
0: okay so you did it so, through that program through college i did okay yeah
1: so my freshman year i met the marine recruiter within two to three weeks it was it was crazy i step on campus i'm 18 i have freedom the world is my oyster and i call my parents and i'm like hey So I don't think I'm going to come home this summer. I think I'm going to go to this thing for the Marine Corps. It's like this officer candidate school. It should be, you know, should be challenging and (laughs) all this stuff. And my parents like freaked out at first. They're like, my dad was like, can you just focus on your freshman rookie season? Like, how about we work on getting like rookie of the year? Let's work on like getting used to college. And my mom's like, can you make it through your first semester and prove that you can handle the school and have grades, you know, and slowly over time. They saw even the difference six weeks made of me, 18 Riley, it was 18 years old. I was one of the youngest ones there. And just in six short weeks, the change that occurred in my life and in my heart and how I carried myself forward. And my dad, I remember, bought me a rifle um, because he knew he was like, all right, like this is like, we're going to start practicing on shooting. Like your marksmanship is going to be important. And I came home and I, I was like, you know, dad, time me. And I took it apart and put it back together. And as I'm taking it apart on the kitchen table, he's like, you broke it. Like, what's going on? And I, I was able to throw it back together. And he not only saw the skills that you learn, but also my mentality and the thoughtfulness for others and the selflessness and the things that the Marine Corps already was instilling in me. And my parents all of a sudden became the most supportive people in the world where When I went back to OCS because I was so young, I did the PLC two six weeks. Uh My dad um tried to like Google like our workout routines or like workout PT plans. And he would PT on his own when him and I couldn't talk, acting like he was like going through it with me and like the struggles with me. So they were the most supportive people. But at first, I think I definitely gave them a heart attack. And I think times talking about deployments and and carrying on a career in the Marine Corps, you know makes it sometimes uneasy for parents, but they're so supportive and see why because it's such a great organization.
0: So you um graduate from college and mm-hmm. um what year did you graduate?
1: 2019.
0: Right. And so like COVID hits. Yeah.
1: And that is a huge piece of my story and timing. So I finally go to the basic school and COVID hits when graduation and my family, we don't get family day. I don't get mess night. I don't get anything besides from celebrating my PFT and CFT. And we can be <laughs> up against each other for that, but no. So like all the fun things are like ripped
0: away from us. Yeah, um, for those that like that, for those that don't fully understand like mess night and family day, those are, I would say critical components to, yes, Probably your mental well being as you're going through this. I mean, it's it's huge, and so you know you think about the kids that didn't have prom or high school graduation and all the like. This is just as high up there, if not higher up there, on the scale of like importance in what you're missing.
1: Yes, a hundred percent. I felt that, and you know, you put so much into something, and TBS is six to seven months long, depending on when you go. And all I wanted to do was bring my family on to Quantico and show them where I was and been like, oh, look at this weapon that I shot. Look at this. Like, this is where we would run our PFT and this is where this happened. And this is, you know, this is where we would hike and this is where it was 03 in the morning. And I didn't know if I was going to make it. And it was snowing and I was freezing and I kept pushing. But You know, knowing that I can still share those things with people and knowing that I don't I can still bring my family that can still be a part of that was so special. And then what I think draws me so close to you, especially is Mannion Hall was the barracks right next to me and what that means. And when I wasn't necessarily the happiest when I became a logistics officer, because it was not my first choice, finding the history of of that and what that means is amazing and so yes i didn't get to have my family there and i didn't get to experience all these things with these people that maybe i would have liked but there was marines there that that brought us even closer because we couldn't bring those outside families in and there's so much ingrained history around there that makes that place special and no i didn't get those things but i wouldn't have traded my experience for anything
0: yeah i i remember when manion hall was dedicated down at quantico we were obviously down there and um I don't think I recognized the significance of it uh at the time. I mean, I thought it was an incredible honor that they were naming this building after Travis. Um, but then realizing all these young Marines going through TBS that were going to be living in there. And, mm-hmm. you know, to this day, um, I am constantly meeting Marines that are like I lived in Mannion Hall. And yeah. um, you know, I think the Marine Corps does a really good job of not just like naming a building and not making sure that they offer the significance of the name behind the buildings that these, these young Marines are living in. So like they all knew the history and they have a beautiful display case for Travis, right. When you walk in. Um, and you know, when he graduated from TBS, you know, kind of a cool story, Travis graduated at the top of his class. He was, you know, Mm -hmm. top 10 in his class. And so, he pretty much thought, and so did my dad. It was like, well, get, what's your pick, you know? And so he was infantry first. And I forget was second, I, I don't even know if logistics was anywhere on his list and he ends up getting logistics. And I'll tell you, like, he was not happy. He was like, what do you mean I got logistics? And, you know, I, I'll never forget my dad saying him to him, like, okay, you got logistics, like suck it up. It is what it is. And you're going to go be the best damn logistics mm-hmm. officer there ever was. And, you know, now the Marine Corps has the Logistics Officer of the Year Award and it's named the Mannion Award. And, mm-hmm. you know, we laugh every year when we go there. It's such an honor. And I'm like, here we go. Handed out this award for like, you know, the logistician of the year. Um, and Travis wasn't happy about being in logistics at first, but. He went out and he was the best damn logistician that there was. And, you know, people talk about like his uh, precision and, you know, how well he took care of the teams on that first deployment. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, ultimately he went uh, first recon so he could be a little bit more in the fight. But like he was he really threw himself into embracing that logistics career and that path and. Um, so, you know, I think about that a lot when you kind of, you're, you're faced with like these decisions and these choices that are sometimes made for you and you can go one way and you can yeah. sulk and you can bitch and complain, or you can just decide to embrace the decision that was made and you can go out there again and be the best that you can be at that. And um yeah. that's what I loved about my brother and I love about the Marine Corps is that I think they teach you those principles and they teach you, you know, listen, you're not always gonna get what you want. It's not mm-hmm. there's no easy street here. Um, but you know, excellence is expected in whatever you're doing.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's what you can see of what I made out of what I was dealt. I mean, by by no means logistics, <laughs> I don't wanna put it down too much. It's not a bad job, but it's not. A sexy job. It's not a desirable job. Moving people from one place to another and efficiently. I and mean, we think of Amazon, all these things, people love Amazon. People hate when your package is delayed and then they want to like curse up a storm and scream and be mad that their coffee was delayed in, or delayed by three hours. I mean, that's like logistics to a T, right? I can plan and I can do everything and coordinate all these movements and all of these things. And if something goes wrong, people look at you and it's thankless. But at the same time, just because you work really hard, very similar to your brother, I finished pretty high up in my class, does not mean that you're just given things. And the Marine Corps and society sometimes don't always tell you that, or you don't always think that. Well, I worked hard, I deserve it, I should be given it. And it's like, no. And there's a bigger need than you and what you want. And you know, the Marine Corps comes first, and the needs of the Marine Corps and the needs of the Marines. And ultimately, what made me feels so good about it was either way we're going to be leading marines either way you have marines that are going to look up to you that are under your charge that you don't go away from basic officership you just have a niche of a job that you get to apply that with but it doesn't matter what job you are if you're in combat and bullets come flying you better be a rifleman and that's what they train us but you're 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 infantry first essentially um and so i think that's He's like, you summed it up so well. What cards are you given? And are you going to complain about it? Are you going to make the most of what you have and be like, wow, I never thought in a million years that I would be the first female Marine bobsledder to ever come because of looking back there. I didn't sulk. I complained. I said, okay, what can I do with this car that I was dealt or like Mm -hmm. your brother, you know, everything that he's able to do the legacy that he's left behind for logisticians. I mean, like that's something we claim like, yeah, Charles Manion. Yeah, he was, he was, he started as a logo. Yeah. Like, it's not a bad gig. Like you can, you can make stuff with it. You can be somebody, you know, you can still go in and fight and experience deployment in war and impact Marines and people around the world. So it's, it's pretty cool. And yeah, that is, that is definitely close to our hearts for sure. I,
0: I love it. So, okay. You mentioned it. I never thought I would be um, on the bobsled team. I mean, and (laughs) like, let's talk about that. How do you go from, you know, graduating from TBS and you're a a new, uh, logistician in the Marine Corps. And next thing you know, you are, uh, on the national bobsled team. Like how did that happen? I
1: don't think I ever would have thought in a million years, if someone would have told me back then, even before I went to college, Riley, you're going to graduate and you're going to go straight in the Marine Corps. I'm like, okay. I never would have thought someone would say, Hey, as soon as you graduate and you finish doing all your military training, you know, you're going to be the female athlete of the year for the Marine Corps. I I would have never thought in a million years. And so how did this get here? I think the common theme is making the most of the situation that you're given and seeking opportunities. And something I like to live my life on is I'm always hungry. I'm always searching for more. I want to push myself mentally, physically. Where is that ceiling set and how can I elevate it and keep pushing and keep pushing? And it's not that I'm never satisfied, but I'm never satisfied. I I'm, I like where I am. I like to accomplish goals, right? Like sometimes I can relax and, and go to sleep at night. Cause I'm like, you know, I think I'm doing all right, but I constantly want more and how can I challenge myself and make myself the best version of myself, not just for me, but to impact people around me. And so, I get to my office and I'm stationed at Camp Pendleton and I become the S4 officer, which as is a captain's billet. So as a brand new second lieutenant, I am the S4, not alpha, the S4 of a logistics squadron of about Explain 750 Marines. Explain
0: what an S4 is for those um, uh, that yeah. do understand military acronyms.
1: Yes. Essentially I was put into a headquarters role and position to oversee all logistics for 750 Marines um, of a unit called MALS 39, which is Marine Aviation Logistics Squadron 39. So essentially um, our mission is to help support birds, uh, helicopters up in the sky and making sure that they're constantly ready to go for the pilots and everything's taken care of. So I'm seeing my maintainers, the people that runs like different supplies for the helicopters, avionics to do all of the high-tech things in there and the ordnance that literally supplies like the ammunition and so I oversee all of this and how we get people from one place to another in deployments and this that, and the third so it's it's no light job for a brand new second lieutenant it's not one that is slated for a second lieutenant it's someone as a captain which is an 03 and I was an 01 at the time brand new and I remember having a conversation with my executive officer and commanding officer. And they're just like, Riley, we're so excited to have you. You know, this is a massive billet that you're going to be filling. Um, and just so you can get in your head, like you're going to be non-deployable. Our unit as a whole is non-deployable. We send segments off to go and detach, but you're one of one essentially. And this isn't normal, but as a, as your time of Lieutenant, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be deployed. And for a lot of people, they might've been happy about that. And I was heartbroken I went home and I'm like, no, like, that's all I want. Like, I want to be in the fight. Like, I want to be here because I want to train. I want to go to war. I want to, I want to help. I want to make an impact. And I'm like, I'm going to be sitting here at a desk for at least three years. And then let alone we're in the midst of COVID. So I was like, okay, well, let me shift my priorities and stay competitive. I want to keep competing. I want to have a reason to wake up every morning. Like, what goals am I trying to accomplish? And I was reached out to about the Marine Corps softball team. I was like, Oh, that's awesome. I'll join the Marine Corps softball team. It's slow pitch. I'll just hit a bunch of home runs. I'll travel. I'll try to represent like the whole branches in the all um, military category for that and do something fun two months out of the year. Well, nope. COVID shut all that down. So I'm sitting in my office one day and I'm like, man, like I need motivation. I knew that I, I wanted to go to the gym, but I'm like, PFT, I already crushed it. CFT is another six months away. Like what am I doing? All I know is how to compete. And I saw that bobsled was having a virtual combine due to COVID. And why I even saw that on my social media feed was because I followed a woman. um, Her name is Alana Myers Taylor, and she played softball at George Washington. So that's where that like plug and tie came from. And she's one of the most decorated bobsledders in the world. And she played softball at my school. So her jerseys retired and we knew all about her. And in 2018, she actually came and spoke to the softball program and told us all about her getting her silver medal in Pyongyang. and I just thought it was the coolest thing in the whole world. So then I started following bobsled. Well, here I am desperate to find something to throw myself into to keep being competitive. And I saw that they had a virtual combine I literally picked up my, closed the door, found the coach's number, gave him a call and was like, Hey coach, um, you don't know me. I don't even know if this is possible. I don't even really know hundred percent what what this call is about to be, but I saw you have an online combine. Here's who I am. Here's what I plan on doing. And I, and I hope to see you soon because I'm going to put everything I have to see if I have what it takes to get an invite to come. And so I went home and I'm like, all right. Let's see how I stack up against all of these people, right? I, I was in softball shape where I was super big, super strong, pumping up weights, trying to hit home runs. And then I transitioned in the past year to like Marine Corps body weight, pull up five mile run, 10 mile ruck shape. So I had a big task at hand and I end up short term now crunching three years into one was invited, um, started right away as a pilot. So I, I drive the bobsled. And my third, I don't
0: don't want to interrupt you, but I have to know, like, so you're like, I I mean, it's just wild. You just see something on social media and you pick up the phone and you're like, I want to bobsled. And I'm, I mean, that in itself is crazy, crazy. Awesome. But (laughs) you decide you want to get ready for this virtual combine. How do you even figure out what that means to get ready? Like if, if someone said you need to get ready to, to try and compete in bobsledding, like I would have no idea. Like, did you just research it on your own? Like, what do I need to do to be competitive in bobsledding?
1: A bunch of research. I actually reached out to my head athletic department at GW, and I was like, "Hey, I need to get in touch with Alana, okay? Because she's still in the program." So they um, reached gave me Alana's number. I reached out to Alana. Alana gave me um, more coaches number. The strength coach called me. Let me ask all these questions. The other teammate, Keely Humphries, who actually is the most decorated bobsledder in the world, spent an hour on the phone with me. I'm asking all these questions, following all these people on social media, Googling, watching races, like, okay, what is it that I need to do? And the conclusion was I need to be big and strong, especially lower body to push. I need to be fast and quick. And then I need to have the skill and work on the no fear aspect of crashing at 90 plus miles an hour down an ice track and having your skin literally get ice burned off (laughs) in the process of that. So all I did was really started training. I called um, my old strength coach and was like, Hey, like, let's, let's put a program together. And I submitted my videos. Wow.
0: That's wild. And have you done before you submit your videos? Have you actually done any bobsledding? Right, you're stationed in time, right? So you're basically submitting videos to say I'm big, strong, and fast.
1: Exactly. So just like an NFL combine, they're going to look at general thing. Can you broad jump? What's your What's your 30 meter sprint time? What's your lifts look like? Like those kinds of things is the gauge. Like, are you athletic enough to even? be able to run and jump and push um so it wasn't necessarily super bobsled specific but no I'm like hey I, I push prowlers for softball like I'll get it behind like the prowler sled that you see at the gym and stack weights and and sprint off with it um which is a helpful tool but not at all what the sport is
0: so, so those are you, the- yeah so when you get in there and are you thinking okay I just got into this combine Are you thinking like, I've never been on a bobsled before? Like, is there that reservation of like, what if I hate this? Like, what if this is not for me, but you just keep going? Oh, yeah.
1: I I So they invited me to come to Park City, Utah for a month and to try driving. And so I show up there. I'm with all these people that have never done the same thing. So we're all nervous. And they're like, okay, we're going to go on a track walk. And what that means is you're going to put these ice bikes on. You're going to walk from the top of the track down and the drive up is the steep mountain. And you're like, Whoa, whoa, wait, I start up there. And I finish down there in 50 seconds and we're walking it. And you see these like 10 feet high ice walls and you're like standing and you're like, wait, I'm going to be sideways all the way up there. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, and I'm going to be controlling this with bungee cords and pu- pulling the bungee cords to rotate the front axle, yeah, okay. And it's really cold, so what kind of clothes do I wear? Oh, like just like leggings, tights, and like a tight t-shirt. Okay, but it's really cold. Yeah, but you need to be aerodynamic. But you have a helmet on. You'll have a mouth guard on. It'll be fine. And the night before, I don't know how well I slept. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're just gonna push me off of the bobsled. Like I'm literally sink or swim. Like figure it out. And yeah. that's what why the sport is so unique and so niche is so many people will try it and hate it. People are like, this is terrible. I don't want to do this ever again. This is scary. And we don't blame most people because it is, it takes a little bit of a crazy person to be like, this is awesome. Like let's keep doing this. Like I, I want to keep going faster and, and breaking new miles an hour and going to different tracks all around the world and, and seeing and competing against people to a, a thousandth of a second. It's, it's unlike anything that I could possibly explain. A little bit of a roller coaster, but yeah, the fear aspect was definitely always there.
0: So it was that first time on the bobsled, you were kind of hooked. You're like, I love it.
1: Yes, I, I got down the first time and I think there's just so much emotions that I was like holding in and I finished and I'm like, woohooing. I'm like, woo, yeah, like, let's go round two. Like, let's okay. I'm I'm hooked. I'm in. I mean, I like to tell people looking at my life, I joined the Marine Corps. I went skydiving. I go cliff jumping. Like I like adrenaline, like that stuff I, I typically enjoy. And this gives me some of that. Um, but a little bit of a different harder feedback, because when you fail, you quite frankly smack your head, go down the whole way, you know, on your head, not knowing where you are. It's like a car crash that like never ends essentially. Um, when things go bad, but you know, it's like, yeah, there's danger and there's things that like are fearful, but I love having to perfect myself constantly and study and compete and to see like, how can I even gain one hundredth of a second of an advantage over other people? How can I study this? How can I improve? It's, it's this game that I'm like hooked on of like constantly wanting to make these small adjustments to be the best.
0: I love it. Do you think that I am, I would not classify myself as an adrenaline junkie. Um, I don't like roller coasters. I don't like heights. I've never skydived. Like that is not my thing. Um, I I have physical reactions to like, <laughs> fast moving things. Like I would, I would be the one in the bobsled, like on the trial. And, you know, my eyes would roll back in the back of my head and I'd start fainting, you know, like that's <laughs> when you see those people that do like the slingshots up and they like, yeah immediately like pass out or skydiving like that, that would be me. Or I, I imagine that would be me, but I, uh, but I am an adventure junkie. Like I'm always mm-hmm. seeking out new adventures and, and new things. Like I want to try everything Um, except skydiving. I really don't have a desire to t- try skydiving, but I often wonder, like, can you, can you train yourself because I wasn't somebody that was always, I I think when I was younger, I think I was actually a little bit more risk adverse. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. somebody that was like automatically wanted to try something new. And and I wonder, like, you know, do you think that that could be taught? Do you think that's something that you could actually train yourself um, to kind of seek out uh, adventure and, and things that like bring that rush of adrenaline. I get those rushes Mm -hmm. rushes of adrenaline. I just get them in a different way. Right. And so, um, I like to put myself in like real uncomfortable situations and be like, Mm -hmm. how are you going to operate in this? Um, but I, but I constantly have people that are like, well, how do you do that? And, and I'm like, well, I just, I just do it. I don't know. Like I just do it. I I can't kind of explain like, this is the practice that I decide to like, get comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of what you have to have to do if you want to not live kind of a stagnant life, essentially.
1: What you just said, we're like, speaking the same language here. I always say, you need to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And is there a way to really practice it? I don't think there's a generic standard way of, hey, this is a self-help book on how to become more adventurous or how to find the best out of yourself. My, my initial thought process, I have two main thoughts here. The first one is I've noticed what is preventing people from doing things that they never thought that they would? What is, what is stopping people from achieving dreams and goals that they have? And I think in my opinion and that I've seen is so much of it is self-doubt and caring so much about what other people think gotcha. and letting that stop you. And I tell people all the time, I've seen so many people stop themselves instead of other people stop them. And what I mean by that is so many people would tell me, Riley, why do you want to become a Marine? Like, like, aren't you worried? Like you're going to be the only female, like it's really male dominant. Like, I don't know. Well, you don't think those thoughts were in my head as well. You don't think I didn't stop and think, wait a minute, less than 6% of women or 6% of officers are women in the Marine Corps. You don't think I stopped to say, this is a male dominant culture. You didn't stop. And I don't think I looked around at OCS and been like, I don't fit in. I have long blonde hair. I'm very bubbly. I'd like to be girly. I mean, I can turn it on. Don't get me wrong. I'll go and I'll fight with the rest of y'all. But yeah. And so many people let that stop them. So many people tell themselves no. So many people are like, get in their own way from doing things because of self-doubt. What other people think, and the way I try to live my life is i rather someone else tell me no and I'll still tell them that I'm going to do it. But I'd rather someone else be the one to try to stop me than let myself stop me. And so when people said I couldn't become a division one softball scholar or get a division one softball player, I said, okay, I'm going to prove you wrong. Not because I care about you, but because I know that I can't. When someone said I can't become a Marine because I was a female, I said, okay, don't try to tell me what I can and cannot do. Watch me because I will. When someone told me, you know, I don't know about this whole bobsled thing. You were already a softball player, you've never done it, you'll never make it, you're not athletic enough, you know, whatever. Okay, watch me, I will. When someone said I can't balance a career and pursue sport at the same time because it's never been done before by a female Marine, watch me, I will. And I'm not going to let people stop me. And like you said, put yourself in hard situations. And I constantly have this conversation with my family and my friends, and my parents, is I'm convinced. That the way to be to build resiliency is to put yourself in uncomfortable situations that are hard. What and ask yourself that. If anyone's listening to this, like what is the last hard thing that you've overcome or had to go through? When was and when was that event? And there's people that can't even recall, or oh, six years ago when this happened. Right. Dang, are you really challenging yourself? And it can be small. I had a hard workout. I challenged myself to run a marathon that was hard I, you know i had to overcome uh, a death in the family i had to overcome um any bad situation and that builds you up that gives you i said i read david goggins and also like that gives you a cookie in the cookie jar like i got through something so i can get through something else yeah. and because i got this i can get through something else now and the confidence of that instills so yeah if you look at successful women such like yourself, Ryan. And you're like, how did you get here? It's by making those little decisions to put yourself in situations where you can fail, where you could be vulnerable and where you could get hurt, not just physically, but emotionally. And then you come out stronger on the other side. And people are like, how did you become where you are now? It's those little decisions that you make constantly along the road.
0: Absolutely. I always say, um, you know, when I when I'm talking to kids, uh and and out talking to like high school kids and uh college age kids and you know I'm talking about Travis you know I always say like he was big in the little things and mm-hmm. because he was big in the little things he was able to be even bigger in the big moments when it counts and you know when you talk about resilience there's like there's like can you build resilience absolutely can you can you build yourself to be a resilient person i 100% believe that you can and there's two pieces around that. There's the circumstances that happen to you that are unplanned and un, you know, I never thought about building my resilience. Frankly, I never even thought about the word resilience before my brother Travis died. Um, that was a circumstance beyond my control that happened to me that I was forced to become resilient. But that could have been a circumstance that happened to me 15 years ago that I did nothing after that, that I said, okay, come mm-hmm. back from. Um, the loss of my brother, but I did nothing beyond that to build my resilience going forward. So I absolutely agree that, you know, you can, you can become resilient based off life circumstances, but you also have to put yourself in positions to become mm-hmm. resilient and you can test your resilient by resilience by going out and doing things that require you to be resilient, you know, to jump on that bobsled and, and decide I'm going to just, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to see what happens. You know, you can call it adrenaline junkie. Um, and to some level it is, but it's also like, I'm going to build my resilience right here because mm-hmm. I'm going to take that leap, leap off that mountain and I'm going to see what happens. Um, I love that. And, you know, and here you are today um, and you're on the path to hopefully being on the road to to compete in the 2024 Olympics, correct? The
1: 2026, yeah. Oh, so summer. Yeah, but yeah, the 20, I mean, that's the big angle that's the dream you know is is to become and be the first female marine olympian that has not been done before and i've told myself that's what i'm going to work for but if that doesn't happen it doesn't mean that i couldn't have inspired people on the way it doesn't mean that i wasn't resilient along the way but again Heck yeah, I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to give everything I have to make that team. And if I don't make that team, then you best believe my teammates, I'm going to be right there supporting them along the way because I want my best versus their best. And if their best trumps me, heck yeah, go to Team USA, and I'm coming for you the next the next quad. And I'm going to come and find something else and keep working and keep improving. I, too many people limit themselves. Too many people say that could never happen. No, it, it can. There's some things. Okay, sure. But... Stop limiting yourself because you're scared of the outcome. And I can tell you right now, I may listen to this in five years from now after 2026 and be like, man, it would have been so cool to be on again with Ryan and be like, Ryan, I did it. I made it to the games. I lived it out. And there's a chance that I come back and people listen to this be like, oh, that Riley girl? Yeah, she never made it. But either way, I'm going to keep pursuing my life and myself as if that, that is happening. And I'm going to plan as if it is, and I'm not going to be scared of what people think of me, of failure, of letting people down by not making it. No F that I'm going to keep charging because that's what makes me strong. That's what makes me resilient. And if I don't make it cool, add that adversity and see how I'm going to get over it because I'm going to be even stronger then.
0: well, absolutely. So, I think, yeah. you know, um, I am hopeful that you're coming on here after the 2026 Olympics and we're having that conversation about what it was like competing at that level. But the fact of the matter is, is that if it doesn't happen, um, that's another story to tell. And that's another way that you're growing um, personally. So um, it, it's all part of the journey, right? And that's how you have to look at it. But you were just named the 2022 Female Marine Athlete of the Year. Is that correct?
1: I was. That's yes it it was incredible i i knew that i had to pack anything the marine corps awards any of that kind of stuff it's not always very secretive because it takes so many people in a chain of command to be given different awards and so at first i won camp pendleton and then i won overall marine and uh female marine and the male counterpart was actually um a staff sergeant who was in the olympics for wrestling for the Marine Corps. And he did go to the games um, in Tokyo, which was awesome. And so to share that award with him is an honor and a blessing, but yeah, i it's so crazy walking around base and Marines recognizing me for that. And telling me, ma'am, you know, how did you do that? Yeah, could, could do you think I could do this for, or do you think I could do this? And I'm like, I have won, not because I have a trophy that sits on my desk, I have one because I've had, I've had people question themselves. Can they do multiple things while being active duty now? And it doesn't always have to be sport. Can I be a parent and be active duty as a female? Can I go to college and get my degree while being in active duty? Can I get my real estate license? Can I do things that I have desired on while I'm already doing something that's awesome and cool? Absolutely. Again, don't limit yourself. I tell people this all the time. One of the greatest days of my life that I could remember was when I was handed my Eagle Globe and Anchor and I finally earned it. And I had like a small tear down my face and I'm trying, you know, to keep my bearing and not show anything, but I'm like, wow, like I did it. And that day is something and that accomplishment is something that will never be taken away from me, but it didn't stop there. I'm going to keep earning it. I'm going to keep being the best version of myself. I'm going to keep being the best for my Marine. So that means that I need to keep finding ways to improve myself. I and mean, it doesn't always, ha- again, it doesn't always have to be sport. For me, it's sport because it's something that I speak that language. And it's something that I know and I'm comfortable and familiar with. But similar to Jackie and what we were talking about, there's a group of us that are like, we as women need to do our role to show other young girls that there are military females out there and that this is a job for you. We want to be able to reach people on all levels and be like, wow, I can relate to her. I could see myself like her. She paved a way. And something I always tell people is there's several times when I felt like as a female, I didn't have a seat at the table. And I felt like people thought that I had to change who I was to like fit into this culture and just really trying to show people like, Hey, being in the military where women are completely outnumbered in the minority, yeah, no, you have a seat and you can be who you want to be. You don't have to act like a male. You don't have to, talking a deep voice and yelling knife hand all the time like that's maybe a part of it but if that's not who you are you don't have to do that or for me hey like after college sport was over like people like yep right that's the road like you get what you get out of college that's it athletics are done heck no i can go and i can pursue and i can show people hey you want to be a multiple sport athlete you want to try a sport that you've never done before yeah there's a seat at the table for you like that is my goal is to show people like where maybe we don't feel comfortable. We felt like we fit in is like becoming and normalizing that so that people don't have as much difficulty going through that same process. And I think it's super special women, helping women and building each other up in those means to be able to accomplish things that and go to places that we haven't been before.
0: I love it. Your perspective is so refreshing and it's, you know, again, for me, as the mom of someone who is going to be heading off to a service academy, um, to see role models like yourself, um, you know, I don't know what her future has in store for her, but you know, mm-hmm. ask her what 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 she wants to do after the naval academy. You know, what what service she's wants to go into. It's right away like well, marine, you know, and and you know that's that's the path that she sees for herself, and you know that path was only. I can't say that path was made because of her Marine Corps family. In fact, I think that actually deterred her for a while, but it's yeah. it's women like you um, that have helped her to see that path and that perspective. And um, it's just incredible. I love talking to you. I love your perspective. I think you're going to kill it. Um, I have no doubts that we're going to see you competing in the 2026 Olympics. And I'm going to be like, <laughs> I know that girl. Um, it's awesome to talk to you. You know, I always end my I always end my podcast with what does resilience mean to you? Um mm-hmm. you kind of answered that. I mean, you 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 definitely answered that. But is there anything as we as we conclude today that you can say or speak to about what it means to live a resilient life?
1: I, I would like to say, first of all, it's a choice. It's a choice. Do I feel resilient every single day with hard circumstances and adversity that comes my way? No. And is there times where real talk, like I need a moment, I need to cry or I need to be emotional and I feel sorry for myself for five seconds. Yeah, that happens. I'm human. I feel those things, but it's what do you do next and what, what are the next steps? And it's perspective. I can look at my life falling apart and adversity and why is it so hard and why am I failing and why am I being rejected or any of those things? And I can look at this and be like, okay, I can either take this as a blessing and look at it as good. Now I can be redirected on the path I'm supposed to be. Or I can take this and play the poor me card and and mope and complain and feel sorry for myself and not make a change. And so with this, it's a choice. And, And it's a choice anyone can do. You don't have to be in the military to be resilient. You don't have to be of a certain age. You don't have to experience a certain life to do these things. It's a choice that you make every day. It's how you see your circumstance so that one day you can look back and be like, yep, if that hard thing didn't happen, I wouldn't have gotten through this and I wouldn't have gotten through this. And so to, to characterize it all, you also don't have to be resilient by yourself. I think that is a big thing, especially as women and other people that I've seen in Marines as a whole struggle with is feeling that they are have to attack everything on their own. And I just want to say like to anyone out there, You'd be surprised at how many people want to fight alongside you, whatever you're going through. And you are so loved and cherished and cared about, and you're part of a community that people want to help you. So don't feel like it's a battle that has to be fought one V one, get people on your side, get the numbers
0: and start just attacking that enemy of whatever that is. I love it. And I think that in itself, like what is living a resilient life look like? It's a choice and it is, it's a choice that, that we have to make every single day. You know, mm-hmm. are we going to, are we going to not push ourselves to be resilient? And, um, great words, awesome stuff. Uh, we'll be cheering for you. You're in Germany now. Uh, are you competing? Mm-hmm. W- when do you compete?
1: So I compete Saturday and Sunday, but okay. so it's January now. My, um, season goes up until March and then okay. we break and then we start back up again in October. So October to March is racing season. It's winter. So that's easy to remember. Um, but if you follow me on social media, I always post where you can watch, it's televised our races and, or you can go back and follow them on YouTube afterwards. But yeah, we're, we're in the midst of races season. I can't wait to see, uh, what we can do and continue to represent the USA.
0: Yeah. Well, we're going to be cheering for you. We'll definitely, um, we'll definitely post, maybe we'll put some links to, to some of your videos on our YouTube page and, um, Can't thank you enough, Riley. Awesome conversation. Really appreciate you taking the time all the way from Germany to to come and speak with us. And, And thanks all of you for the first episode of 2023 of the Resilient Life podcast, kicking off a new year with an awesome conversation. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. Thanks so much, Riley.
1: Thanks, Ryan.